It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. My name's Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. You also can follow our website at northstarsports.media. And a very fun show we have for you today. We'll be recapping UFC 250, Nunez versus Spencer. Uh, but before we do that, we will get through some of the housekeeping here. We are now on Spotify as of about 15 minutes ago. I don't have the link memorized, but uh, we are on Spotify, so that's that's big news here for the uh, the media juggernaut known as North Star Sports. Uh, and also, the inaugural class of 2020 for the North Star Sports Hall of Fame has been completed. Now, there were six uh, original uh, nominees. Four of them made it in. Uh, Owen Ely, and this is for the Pioneer Wing, so hint, hint. Uh, you know, in the future, we might, we might have a modern wing. Uh, but Owen Ely made it. Me. Uh, obviously, I own the company. So, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought. Obviously, I was making the Hall of Fame. Why, why would I make a Hall of Fame if I didn't put myself in it? Um, Reagan Hooverman. He has made the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, we can get Reagan on the show. Uh, if anybody's out there, you should you should pester uh, Reagan on Twitter at SportsFanHoov, H-O-O-V. Uh, to try to get him on the show because he needs to come on and accept his his award and he he just needs to be on the show in general. This guy's a a smart guy and and we but you know he's got some crazy sports takes some of the time so we really need him to come on. Uh, also Drew Peterson, Drew Peterson made the Pioneer Wing. Uh, you know we all know him, we all love him. He'll be coming on the show either this Friday or Saturday, so that'll be a good one. I'm sure we'll uh, talk about how much we hate the Minnesota Wild and what they've how they've ruined the state of hockey and you know that'll be a fun one and you know he'll be he'll be making his uh, North Star Sports debut but this guy's a Sports 5 Hall of Famer for the OGs out there a WRFW veteran uh he did he did unfortunately and I don't control this but he did get Ken Griffey Jr. at the ballot boxes uh I was unanimous Reagan Hooverman was unanimous and uh Drew Peterson he got voted in with 99.3 percent of the votes uh, so he did, in fact, get Ken Griffey Jr. And then, of course, last but not least, the fourth member of the inaugural class of 2020 was Francis. We all know him. We all love him. Uh, again, he was he was a Sports 5 Hall of Famer back from the WRFW days. Uh, he was Times Person of the Year for 2006. And he was the first caller in Sports Vibe history, even though we couldn't figure out the, the phone lines to get him on air. But, you know, it's the thought that counts. And, you know, this guy's a real OG. Uh, you know, he's like the Walter Johnson of our Hall of Fame. He's like the Chuck Bignarek of, of our Hall of Fame. You know, a real a real 1930s classic type of guy. Classic radio with the old uh, the old bugle horns and, and, and stuff like that. So congrats, congratulations to Francis. Uh, Mikey from DeBronx did not make the Hall of Fame. He was one of two that didn't make it. Um... We just couldn't find him. We couldn't find him. I don't know where he is. Uh, and to be honest, he never even he never called into this show, and he never even called into the sports vibe. So it, it was a pretty easy choice. He's never done anything remotely related to the program. He's a big fan, uh, 
Um, but he's done nothing with the program, so he can't make it. And the Minnesota Correctional Facility Oak Park Heights listeners, while we allegedly appreciate them tuning in to WRFW, uh, guys, there's like murderers and, you know, bad people in that prison. Now, you know, I, I, I was, I'm against the drug war as much as anybody else. So for any of those people in that prison for nonviolent drug offenses, you know, I apologize, but we can't put you in the Hall of Fame. That'd be irresponsible. I don't know why they were on the ballot uh, in the first place. And if you're if you're wrongly convicted, uh, again, I'm sorry, but I, you know, if we're if we're lumping people in as a whole, if we're lumping in, you know, the OPH, you know, prison listeners as a whole, I mean, I can't let you in, guys. I'm sorry. That that would be uh, that would be uh, no bueno. So, sorry, guys, uh, we can't put you in. Uh, those two, uh, Mikey from the Bronx and the Oak Park Heights listeners, uh, they're eligible next year. They, you know, so this is a first ballot, so they'll be on the ballot next year. Um, first years on the ballot next year that we know of for now, because listen, you know, I I think we're going to do this every single June. So June, 2021, we'll probably have another hall of fame class. So there's plenty of time for people, listeners, even out there, if you're listening to, to get on the, uh, uh, into the hall of fame. Um, but you gotta work for it, man. You gotta come on the show. You gotta, you know, retweet, you gotta give us a, a five star on, on, uh, on iTunes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we're not just letting anybody in here. This is, listen, this is not the NFL Hall of Fame here. We don't just let anybody in. You know, there are some standards. So we're trying to keep it prestigious, prestigious. And, um, you know, we, we can't let anybody in. But uh, Crystal Lanning will will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, uh, or excuse me, uh, 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 she'll be on the, on the uh, ballot next year. And uh, the D3 rules expert Jim Sturm is eligible next year in 2021. So, uh, that'll be interesting because you look at a guy like the D3 rules expert, you know, he re- he really knows his rules. He really knows college football, uh, big Twins fan, big part of the sports vibe. Well, actually, we he wasn't even on the sports vibe because me and him had our own show at WRFW. But, you know, sideline reporter, play-by-play, caller commentator, uh, you know, just all around a, a solid sports mind. Um, probably should have been on, on, the, uh, on the 2020 ballot, to be honest with you, but... You know, I, I don't control who's on the ballot. That's up to the uh, North Star Sports Committee. And, you know, we're very happy with the inaugural four that we put in. You know, that's really... W- listen, I mean, the four we have in there right now are really going to set the benchmark for what we want to accomplish as a Hall of Fame unit. So, uh, you know, if, if you haven't been following us on Twitter, uh, maybe you didn't know about the Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, that, that, that was the big announcement on Saturday. And those are the four that have got in. Uh, so without further ado, we'll get into this recap here of UFC 250 Nunez versus Spencer, which took place on June 6th at the uh, UFC Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, and overall, what a what a fun card. What a fun card, you know, for for a card that... And, I, and, and I'd like to preface it by saying I'm sure that, you know, they were in discussions and the fights were made, but, uh, you know, long before this, but... Like a week and a half ago, when they were showing the pre- the, the the preview, like the the card for 250, it was like nobody. And you're like, "Well, is this a fight night card? Is this the Valentina Shevchenko Liz Carmouche fight night card from from Argentina last year?" Uh, but they really put it together. They really, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say it was loaded. I mean, there's been bigger pay per views, obviously, but uh, you know, the card really delivered from top to bottom and. You know, I guess it's a little bit of a cliche, but 
I mean, I, I, there, I honestly, there wasn't really a boring fight all night, if I'm being honest with you, besides the, the main event in my mind, but, uh, it, it really delivered, like everybody was saying, it was a nice showcase for the bantamweight division, and, uh, boy, did they show out, uh, and this is the beauty about being listeners, uh, live, now, this is probably gonna get posted at about <laughs> one o'clock in the morning, uh, and we have the North Star Sports uh, updated rankings set to drop at, I believe, 7.30 on Monday morning. Uh, but I have the, the list sitting right in front of me. So for all you listeners here, you're going to you know, get the, the rankings here about six hours before they're going to come out. And uh, the, man, there's a lot of changes to the bantamweight division, and we'll get to it as we get to each fight. Um, but I had a tough time trying to figure out you know, where some of these these fighters need to be ranked. I mean, it's it's tough. You got a lot of people moving up. You got a fair amount of people moving down. Um, but it, it was kind of it was kind of fun. I had to do a lot of research about figuring out where I would put some of these these fighters. But as always, we'll work our way from the uh, the top of the card all the way down to the bottom. And uh, the main, in the main event, Amanda Nunes defended her featherweight belt uh, for the first time. She becomes the first ever. Uh, UFC fighter to defend both belts at the same time, um, which I think is not that big of an accomplishment given the 145 division is an absolute sham and uh, only there for marketing purposes so they can have another belt. They only have like three fighters actually signed to that division. Um, but what a what a boring fight. What a terrible what a terrible fight. I hate to be Debbie Downer over here because uh, I'm going to talk very sweetly and glowingly about the rest of this card. I loved it. But the main event, man, that sucked. That was boring. This is why... So, I got a little negative on Twitter. But, like, we have the greatest of all time, the quote, as people like to say, which I think we should retire. Uh, but the greatest woman of all time in the sport, taking on someone who's 2-1 and one in the UFC in by far the, the weakest, thinnest division. Like, so she beats Megan Anderson, who doesn't belong in the UFC, gets brutalized, absolutely beaten up by Chris Cyborg, but hey, she she showed her toughness, and then beats a UFC newcomer, Zara Farron DeSantos, or whatever her name is, somebody who also doesn't belong in the UFC, and we give her a title shot against the greatest of all time, someone who's beaten Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, uh, Holly Holm, someone who's just beaten a, a real who's who, and this is what happens when we have stupid matchmaking. We should not have the 145 division. Uh, and th- that might be controversial. That might rustle some jimmies. But, like, why do we have the 145 division? It's just a sham. Like, you guys got to realize that we're going to look back. So headlining a UFC pay-per-view is a real big thing, right? That's, like, the biggest stars in the sports get to do that. And Amanda Nunes has earned that right, obviously. So, like, who's headlined a, 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 a pay-per-view in the UFC? Oh, Amanda Nunes, John Jones, Jorge Masvidal, real big stars, guys who have really earned it in the UFC. Guys, do you realize that the sham of a 145 division on the female side has led us to has led us to have people like Felicia Spencer and Yana Kunitskaya headline major UFC pay-per-views in the UFC 250 and 222. Like what? And Kunitskaya was even worse because she didn't even have a fight in the UFC. She was a UFC newcomer. So we're just plucking people off the streets to, to get fed to Cyborg. Like, Tanya Evinger. If, if, if Cyborg versus Evinger wasn't on that 214 card, 
uh, where they had the two other title fights on it. That that probably could have headlined a, a, a pay-per-view. So, like, this is a joke of a division. This is terrible matchmaking. Felicia Spencer did absolutely nothing to earn a title shot. The, the justification for her getting a title shot is the same justification I could say right now that she, that Felicia Spencer needs to have an automatic rematch with Amanda Nunes. We need to have Nunes versus Spencer too. Because the initial justification for Spencer facing Nunes was, well, she, she showed her toughness in that cyborg fight. Oh, you mean the fight that she got beat every single round? Like, okay, so now we just have to show toughness and we get title shots? Like, we're not giving Spencer the, the, the title shot because she beat two absolute bums. We're giving her the, the title shot because, wow, when she faced someone who had uh, an, I, an iota of talent in, in Cyborg, and, and she has much more than that, but even anybody who has an iota of talent, she showed some toughness. Oh, okay, so let's just put this human punching bag out there. Uh, I thought it was sickening that they... Well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I've seen... Uh, that's a bit hyperbolic because I've... I don't really get sickened by anything I've seen, and I mean, I mean anything. I've seen a lot of things. I, I I get sickened by very few things, but I thought it was a little cruel that they didn't stop the fight in the fifth round, uh, or before the fifth round, or even during the fifth round. Like, what did you want? The, the best case scenario played out from that fifth round onwards, because at that point she's lost four rounds. Probably two of them 10-8, in my opinion. Um, so she, there's no way she's going to win this. So I, I guess the best-case scenario played out. She just got beat up a little bit more. But, like, what if she just got brutally knocked out? Like, it's the whole Thomas Gifford-Mike Davis situation. Like, are you happy now? Like, you didn't throw in the towel. You let your fighter take an ass-whooping, and then they get brutally knocked out. Like, is that what you wanted? Like, look what Nunes did to Holly, uh, Holly Holm. Look what Nunes did to Ronda Rousey. You don't think she could knock someone out in the in the fifth round? Like, so I thought Nunes took it easy on her for the most part, you know, just throwing her down from, from the clinch and stuff like that. But, like, what, what do you guys want? Do you want Spencer to die? Do you, want to, do you want her to have two years get taken off her career because she gets knocked out in a fight that she wasn't even competitive in? So it's embarrassing. Uh, that fight never should have happened. There should not be a 145 division or... Uh, maybe I'm not going to be that mean, but okay, if we if we do have a 145 division, how about we have more than four fighters in the division? Why don't we sign more people? And that's going to be tough because there's not a lot of good 145ers, but like, okay, why don't we like poach half of Bellator? Why don't we poach half of like Invicta? Like, yeah, we're going to be poaching just bums who don't deserve, don't deserve to be in the company, but can we at least like try to build this division? It's like the whole flyweight thing. If we're not going to build it, let's get rid of it. And they got they got as close to getting rid of it as they possibly could without actually getting rid of it. Then they realized they'd like to keep it. And now they've... Most of the signings, if you look at the UFC website, most of the signings they have now nowadays are, are flyweight. So, you know, now they're investing back in the in the division. But, like, why, why have it? Or, for, uh, maybe not... Maybe force is a strong word because it's their own careers... But why not incentivize people at 135 to move up? Why don't you? Why don't you? Uh, you know, really frown upon weight cutting so that you know. I mean, we have four divisions for the women. For the women, uh, you know, uh, flyweight was kind of a mess early on, but we all knew flyweight was gonna. 
legitimized as time goes on just because it's between 115 and 135 and there's a lot of fighters that fall in between that um but 145 i don't know there's not really a lot of big girls fighting necessarily or you know we're, we're in the early stages of of women's mixed martial arts at the high at the highest level um which would be the ufc so why, why don't we invest in it but to sit here and have three fighters three or four fighters in the in the in the 145 division and pretend that we have a champion no why not have a 155 champ and just have nobody in the division just whoever the title challenger is you know it, it makes no sense if we're gonna have the 145 division like sign kayla harrison uh which which might happen because it doesn't look like the pfl is coming back this year um force force somebody young and promising like an aspen lad who's had trouble missing weight force her up to and again maybe that's a little too strong force but you know why don't we have her fight at 145 why don't we you know permanently have uh gdr at 145 but you know it's a sham of a division but uh props to nunez i guess uh i mean you, you you beat an absolutely you beat someone who was undeserving of a title shot but um you know made ufc history uh in the co-main event we had a last second knockout in the second round by uh cody garbrandt over rafael asuncao and that might be one of the weirdest knockouts i've ever seen like that that was something straight out of a video game like if, you, if you've ever played mafia 3 like when uh oh, i forget the main character's name but the, oh lincoln when 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 you charge up Lincoln's punch, like, as you sneak up behind somebody and you just sock him, like, that was like a video game move, like, I don't know what he was doing, and, and whoever asked this question at the post-fight interview, I thought they had a, a pretty brilliant breakdown, not that it was rocket science, but, like, that was interesting, that was a lot of skill, that wasn't just Cody being weird, because, you know, him ducking down and, 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 and kind of grabbing on the fence a little bit, um, like if if Rafael Sunsau throws a knee, like ah that's that might be good night for Cody, but like it's just so weird. I like it's not like it was a cartwheel kick or 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 you know like a really weird MMA move. No, he just he just loaded that MFR up and just sprung it on a Sunsau, and like I thought the round was over, so there was like five seconds left in that round, and I just go down to like check Twitter or or post on Twitter or whatever. And then you just you hear the announcers going crazy, and you're like, "What the hell just happened?" But that that was absolutely great, and that was exactly what Cody Garbrandt needed. I mean, kind of like like he said at the at the post fight presser, like the skill was always there. Cody's always, honestly, he's probably always been the the most skilled fighter in that division. It's just every time he loses, it's just Cody being an idiot. It's Cody brawling when he doesn't have to. And you could you could see that side of him almost coming out in that fight where a Sao would hit him, or you know Cody Cody would fight very smart. He seemed to throw a lot of leg kicks too, which I really liked, uh, you know, because I I guess that that adds to the striking when you have a you know a steam piston of a right hand at 135. Uh, but I thought he he fought very smart. He didn't force anything, um, you know, and, and he he didn't brawl because that's really the big thing, man. Like when Cody brawls, he gets knocked out twice by TJ. He gets knocked out by Pedro Munoz, uh, who's a really good fighter. But Cody Garbrandt has no business losing to to Pedro Munoz. But you know he, he's back on track. Uh, I uh, I nominate uh, him as a new mythology in the sport, kind of like C level Kane. Um, I think long haired Cody. 
long-haired Cody, like Dad Cerrone, C-Level Kane, you know, guys like this. Uh, especially if he can win another fight on, like, Fight Island. And, uh, oh, I can pull up the old North Star Sports ranking here, rankings here. But, you know, if he fights somebody like uh, Marlon Marais or, uh, oh, I don't know, Jose. Oh, I guess he's getting the title shot. Or, like, a Corey Sandhagen or, or whoever. If he fights him on Fight Island and knocks him out again, I mean, the legend of long-haired Cody. I mean, that's really growing. Uh, it is kind of scary how with his hair kind of receding and longer, uh, but not super receding, uh, he looks like Jeremy Stevens. Like, it's Cody Jeremy Stevens Garbrandt. It's it's really weird. Like, when I saw that photo of him on that was going around on Twitter, I thought it was Photoshopped. Like, that that's not Cody. But, you know, what man, he's he's really matured, which is awesome, because if, if he can still have the motivation, which he claims to uh, have rediscovered, and still have that hunger from the young Cody, but just n- just not be a complete idiot sometimes, I mean, this guy's going to be champ again. Th- this guy, this guy, if he fights like that, and I don't just mean the crazy knockout, because, you know, a lot of people can do crazy knockouts, but it's not exactly something you can do every single fight. But if he, if he, he probably would have won that decision. Uh... You know, he fought He fought really smart. Uh, so props to Cody. Um, it's on, on the flip side, it sucks for Rafael Asuncao just because, I mean, this guy really doesn't get any respect on his name. Uh, because I was thinking about this earlier on, on the, preview fight, uh, the preview show. I mean, Rafael Asuncao might be the best fighter to never win a UFC belt. Who, who only fought... Or primarily fought in the UFC, like obviously, like you know, yeah, like Fedor and stuff like that. But like, you know, this guy has beaten T.J. Dillashaw. Like he he's beaten a lot of guys, and really, he he's been a a top ten fighter in the division ever since the division was created in 2011. So he's been a staple in like the top five, top six, you know, for a decade. And he's he's only ever lost to great fighters. That's the crazy part, man. Like. Uh, losses to uh, Uriah Faber in the WEC. Okay, a couple of silly losses in the, in the WEC, but during his time in the UFC, he's only ever lost to TJ, uh, Marlon Marais, Cody Sand, or Corey Sandhagen, and Cody Garbrandt. Like, all are really, really, really good fighters. But wins over Marlon Marais, Aljamain Sterling, Pedro Munoz. I mean, he's, he's got to be like 14-4 and four in the UFC. Like, he's a really, really underrated fighter. But he just never has had a chance to, to, to fight for the belt. I'm not saying it's over for Rafael Asuncao, but he is 37. And you look at the infusion of young talent. Look no further than UFC 250, but the infusion of young talent in this division? I don't know, man. I, I'm not going to close the book on him, uh, you know, just yet. Just yet. But, again, flyweights and bantamweights do not grade, uh, age gracefully. And... Man, I don't know. I mean, his time might have passed him by. Uh, so we go to the feature bout. Uh, a very quick uh, submission uh, by Aljamain Sterling over Corey Sandhagen. Uh, easy work. And now now the beauty of this, too, for Aljamain, um, almost he was the, the human backpack on uh, Sandhagen early on. Uh, choked him out early with a rear naked choke. That was real tight. Almost got on the first attempt uh, and, and and sunk it in the second. Uh, no sweat. It was early in the fight. In the fight, so they're not slippery and oily. You know, that's that's when you knew it was scary. Um, I, I thought Sandhagen was going to get out of it. I don't know why, because uh, 
Sterling's pretty good on the ground, and he had it really tight. But I just remember the uh, Yuri Alcantara fight where he got out of that uh, arm bar, and I was like, ah, Sandhagen's flexible. He can get out of it. And then, you know, taps right, gets choked out unconscious. Um, but props, props to Sterling. I mean, again, uh, another guy who... Um, he might be a completely new fighter, new fighter in the sense that Sterling has won pretty much every fight in the UX in the UFC until it comes to that big moment. You know, like he'll go on a three or four fight win streak, and then he'll get a main event versus Marlon Marais, you know, and then he'll get knocked out, and you're like, "Oh man, that was almost his moment. He was, he was that close." Uh, but prop, props to him, man, because he's the in, an interesting fighter. He's a fun guy. He's a personality. Uh, personality and a half, and uh, I think we've very easily could be looking at the next bantamweight champion by the end of 2020, early 2021, depending on how the title shot goes with Jan and Aldo, uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but in five-fight winning streak, now the beauty of this, there, there's a silver lining, f- well, there's a silver lining for Corey Sandhagen, there's a, a you know, a, a silver platter for Aljamain Sterling, um, but the silver platter for Aljamain Sterling is he took no damage. That was a real quick fight. So Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo, which absolutely should not have been the title fight, title fight in the first place. It's not official. So if Jose Aldo, if he falls out of the fight once it's agreed upon, or if they can't agree upon the fight, if I'm Aljamain Sterling, I say, oh, Peter Yan wants to fight in July at Fight Island for the bantamweight title. Sign me up. I took no damage. I took no damage. So it's not like it was a three-round war. No, Aljamain could probably fight tomorrow. You know, so that's the beauty is if I'm Aljamain, I just put the pressure on the UFC, man, because it's not official. And if it's not official, anything can happen. Just like uh, Gilbert Burns. Uh, He's putting the pressure on, on, uh, you know, the welterweight division. He's putting the pressure on Dana to to get a shot at that title over Masvidal. Because they can't figure out a deal and Burns is ready. Burns took, you know, he had no scratches after that Woodley fight. And that was a five-round fight. So, uh, man, if I'm Sterling, I'm sitting pretty. And also, if I'm Sandhagen, you know, if I'm going to... if I mean, listen, the silver lining is if you're going to lose, I mean, at least it wasn't a three-round split decision loss. That was an absolute war where you lost an eyeball. You know, if you're going to lose... I mean, you probably want it to be super quick and a choke where you take no damage and you could you could fight two months from now if you wanted, you know. So for Sandhagen, it sucks for him, you know, but this is just his first big moment. You know, I, I think we all can agree this was a number one contender uh, fight. And, you know, Sterling's had a couple of moments that he didn't quite seize, but he seizes it here. And if you're Sandhagen, I mean, what, he's like 27, 28 or whatever, like... He'll have plenty of more moments like this, and he's a very good fighter. He just got, you know, he got beat by the better guy on the night. Didn't take a lot of damage. I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty solid scenario if if you have to lose. Though, so those are the two fights. So I was gonna go to the next one here, but uh, I have the North Star Sports rankings in front of me, and those were the th- two fights that mattered when it came to rankings, uh, because. Uh, Sean O'Malley did not make the top 15 in North Star Sports rankings uh, because Eddie Wineland was not ranked. And O'Malley has won two times in the division uh, in the last, like, two and a half years. So I think I think O'Malley will be, will be ranked in the UFC rankings. I think he'll be ranked in a lot of people's rankings, but I'm not going to rank him. No, he's not in the top 15. 
Because you know what? I look at the top 15. Yeah, it's really, really deep. So right now, 13 through four, 13 through 15 for me is Song Yedong, uh, John Dodson, and Marlon Vera. I can't say that Sean O'Malley's done more than those guys recently to, to usurp them in the rankings. So Sugar Sean O'Malley might be number 16 in the rankings, which we don't do. Uh, he's just outside that bubble. But, okay, you beat Wineland, and he's he's no punk. You know, he's he's a very good fighter. But, okay, you beat him, and you beat, um, what's his name, Teco? That, that doesn't make you ranked. He has a lot of hype. Might make people mad, but no, you're, you're not ranked in the top 15. Not over Marlon Vera. Look at, you know, so, like, I look at every fighter before I place them because I want to make sure I get it correct because that's the whole point of me doing rankings. It's not for me to just do some half-ass rankings. No, it's for me to get it correct because the normal rankings suck. Uh, and like Marlon Vera, before he lost that weird fight, which arguably he won over Song Yudong, uh, which doesn't impact the, the, the rankings anyways because it was at 145. And uh, I'll get to that in a second. But like he was on like a four-fight winning streak at bantamweight. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, I can't... That's that's more than anything O'Malley's done. Uh, and also, so uh, Cody Stamen won tonight, and we'll get to that in just a minute as well. But he won at 145. So how my rankings work is I know a lot of people are going to treat Stamen and Kelleher, even though, even though we all know it was at 145, a lot of people are going to treat it like a bantamweight fight. If you do something outside of the division, it doesn't impact your division rankings. From the division you you left or took a momentary hiatus from. So even though Cody Stamen won, he, he didn't move up or down in the bantamweight rankings because he didn't fight at bantamweight. So I, I feel like I should make a list of all my rules, but that is one of my rules. You know what I mean? So like uh, Connor taking that fight versus Cerrone at welterweight, it doesn't impact my... Even though we didn't have the rankings back then, that wouldn't have impacted my rankings at lightweight because it was at 170. Uh, so yeah, so... Uh, point being, a lot of a lot of changes to the bantamweight division. Aljamain Sterling is the new number one contender. So Aljo moves up from two to one. He flip flops with Marlon Marlon Marais. So Marlon Marais moves down from number one to number two. Champions vacant. Uh, Piotr Jan stays at number three. Cody Garbrandt moves up from nine to number four. Corey Sandhagen moves from four to five. Jose Aldo stays at six. Rafaela Sunsau moves from five down to seven. And then Munoz moves from seven to eight. Rivera from eight to nine. And then 10 through 15 is the same. So uh, I, I felt like I couldn't move Piotr Jan. Uh, I felt like that that win over a top five guy in Sandhagen moves Sterling up to the number one contender. Uh now, Garbrandt, Garbrandt beat Asunsau, so I'm just going through my logic here. So, Asunsau was 5, Garbrandt was 9, so I move Cody to 4, and I move him over Sandhagen because he Sandhagen lost. lost. I didn't move Aldo down because... Uh, I, I, I don't know. And then Asunsau, he only moves down 2 because he lost to a really good good fighter, and then, unfortunately, Munoz and Rivera go down because uh, of the, the major jump for Garbrandt. Uh, but that's that's a little sneak peek there at the uh, the bantamweight portion of North Star's rankings, which will drop at uh, 7.30 this morning. Uh, we also had a win here by Neil Magny, a unanimous decision win over uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. 
we'll, we'll kind of go quickly through some of these because there's not a whole lot to talk about. But a great win for, for Magny, uh, a good guy. I like his new nickname, the Haitian Sensation. Um, good win, you know, now that he has a kid. Uh, and he's a real tough guy. And I'll tell you what, I've seen a lot of, a lot of slander, a lot of, a lot of hate, not technically slander, but, um, a lot of hate on Neil Magny. Uh, a lot of people, I don't even think the UFC has Neil Magny ranked or if they do, he's 15. Uh, I have Neil Magny moving up from number 13 to number 12 after the victory. So he flip flops with Vincente Luque, who drops from 12 to 13, but uh, I'm a big Neil Magny respecter. I'm a big Neil Magny respecter. I respect him. And uh, he's higher in my welterweight rankings than uh, a lot of people's rankings. Um, but props to Neil Magny and, uh, you know, uh, condolences to, to Rocco Martin. Uh, this leads us here to the uh, main card opener, a first-round knockout by Sugar Sean O'Malley over Eddie Wineland. And, again, what a crazy knockout. Not as good as the Garbrandt knockout. Not as good. But a real clean. And DC did a really good job with the Telestrator. Uh, the Telestrator Czar. Uh, in breaking that down. Because when you when you see it. When you see it. Uh, you know in, in in fast motion. In regular motion. Uh, it's just like oh. He just punched him really cleanly in the head. But no. No that, that tiny little. That tiny tiny tiny. But ever so noticeable. To get Wineland. To, to, to fake on it, that little feint of the uppercut, and then just blam. I mean, he's th- this guy's a real deal. And like DC said, I don't know if he'll be a champion, but this guy's going to be a star for a long time. He's got the cotton candy, 6'9 hair. He's got crazy tattoos. He's a human coloring book with his tattoos, uh, just like just like anybody else who has a tattoo. Um, but, you know, he, he's got that it factor. He's, he's got that it factor. Uh Great knockout, absolutely vicious knockout. They said they could hear Eddie snoring in the cage, uh, but he seemed uh, he seemed to be just fine. Like sixty seconds later, you know, congratulating uh, uh, O'Malley. But I like it. You beat a you know a WEC uh, former WEC champion, and it's a bigger name in the division. Uh, not ranked. Wineland was not ranked in uh, North Stars rankings. He might have been number fifteen in the UFC rankings. Uh, which we do not observe uh, on this show, uh, but but good for good for O'Malley, man. I mean, it shows he has the re- he's like six foot or like five eleven at at one thirty five, um, but he'll he'll be getting some big things in his future. Um, down here on the prelims, Alex Caceres beats Chase Hooper again. That that fight's kind of weird when you think about it, man, because like. I saw a lot of people getting negative on Chase Hooper, but guys, he's he's twenty. He's gonna get better. Yeah, he's not he's not Wonder Boy Thompson out there in the striking department, but he's getting better. And he's in man, he's in a tough spot, man. He's he's cursed by his own talent in a sense because it's the same thing with like Sage Northcutt. Like you wonder why Sage Northcutt didn't work out in the in the UFC, guys, because like and and I even understand that. Chase Hooper got signed to that developmental contract and fought three fights before he went to the UFC on the developmental contract. But, like, so I, I understand that. But, like, it, it rarely, it rarely, rarely, rarely works. And I feel so bad for people trying to learn in the UFC because you don't learn in the UFC. Or at least, like, not when you're super young, man. Like, 
Sage Northcutt, oh, we'll put him in the UFC. We'll get we'll we'll have him learn in the UFC. Yeah, then he runs into guys like Brian Barbarina and Mickey Gall and like ah, just doesn't doesn't really work out. Like point me to anybody who's learned in the UFC. Like I'm sure it's happened, man. I, I can't think of, you know, too many cases of it working out, but I don't think that's a winning strategy. This guy needs to and, and he might be, and listen, he, he put a whooping on Daniel Tamer. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't belong. Like, he clearly belongs. But it's just a, I'm not, it, it's an unenviable position if you're Chase Hooper. Like, learning in the UFC, man, that really doesn't happen. So it's kind of crazy when you look at, like, just think about this for a second. We have a 20-year-old fighting a 30, 31-year-old. Like, what did we think was going to happen? Now, I know he beat Tamer, and he's like a 31-year-old, so I I guess I understand the exact same thing just happened. But, like, man, let's marvel at that for a second. Like, you know, Chase Hooper beat a grown man. Like, he beat a grown man. So, whatever, man, he will learn. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how he fills out, because, again, he is is not a true featherweight. Let, Let me tell you that, like... In a couple of years, he'll be a lightweight, and in a decade, he'll be a welterweight. Um, but, man, that's just a tough spot for him. Uh, the final rankings change we had for uh, the, the the newest edition uh, came with the middleweight fight. Ian Heinish knocked out Gerald Mearshart, uh in 74 seconds. And GM3 was not ranked. I think he lost four of his last seven. Uh, but it was a win. So we move Ian Heinish from 13 in the middleweight division to 12. Uh, and then we move Brad Tavares from 12 to 13. Uh, but, but again, we can't move him any higher. Like uh, Omari Akhmedov just beat Ian Heinish. Uh, but we, we, we will respect Heinish. He'll move up one. And again, like I said, you know, he really needed a rebound fight. He had those two weird fights versus Brunson and Akhmedov that were, were kind of close decisions. And, um, like I said, like, uh, and apparently he's got a wrestling pedigree, but he just looked out of place with his re- wrestling and, and grappling with Brunson and Akhmedov. And you just go, and, and, it, and it showed, his ideal showed on Saturday. Just knock somebody out really quick. He's the hurricane. There was a hurricane advisory that night in Las Vegas. He looks like he's pumped up with a, a, a you know, a, a bicycle pump. You know, he's got just huge muscles. Like that, that is, that's what needs to happen. Like his boxing is really, really good. He's got great power. He did the great little like fake for a takedown crack, crack Gerald Mearshart with the overhand, right? Um, but I, I, I don't know, man, like, and we'll see, cause surely he'll get somebody higher in the rankings, uh, in his next time out. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know. I'm re- I, honestly, I'm really high on Ian Heinish going back to his contender, uh, series days, and he's got a great story. Uh, but if he if he can just put it all together, like I I have no qualms about his his striking. It's just more of the clinching and and the ground game. But uh, did not have to show that against Mearshart, and probably good he didn't because uh, he has like 24 wins by submission. Uh, and again, he'll probably face somebody higher up in the rankings next time. I'd say probably somebody like a Uriah Hall. Uh, Shabazian, he's only going up in the rankings. Brunson, they just fought within the last year and a half. Uh, Gastelum has a fight. Hermanson has a fight. Just fought Akhmedov. Uh, You know, maybe a fight against Brad Tavares, and that technically technically would be lower in the rankings. But 
Um, I don't know, pretty pretty high on him. Uh, we had Cody Stamen win a unanimous decision over Brian Kelleher. Uh, good fight. He looked really good. Probably should move up to 145 anyways because it's a, it's a bad cut and that's a really deep division. Not that 145 is necessarily any easier than bantam bantamweight, but um, congrats to Cody Stamen. Uh, again, you know, had that weird fight that was a draw against Song Yadong where he got absolutely beat up, but there was a point taken away from, uh, uh, Yadong, uh, due to, a, I believe, an illegal knee. Uh, so good for him. Obviously, the stuff with his brother is really sad. Uh, he does not move up or down in, in the bantamweight rankings because it was a featherweight fight, but, uh, props to him. Uh, we also had uh, Maki Patolo retiring Charles Bird, knocking him out in the second round. Uh, n- nice little combo. Could be an in- interesting uh, knockout fighter, but not somebody that I'd take too seriously in the in the in the middleweight division. R- really weird matchmaking with the amount of losses both those guys had uh, in their MMA careers heading into that fight. Um, we also had a uh, a first round knockout. Uh, by a leg kick from Alex Perez over Juicier Formiga. And like I've been saying all show, and like I said last show, uh, I I knew Perez was going to win because he's 29 and Formiga's like 35 or 36. Uh, Flyweights and bantamweights do not get better with age. They are not a fine wine. They are not uh, light heavyweights or heavyweights. Uh, I mean, you really, really go downhill as you get older. Um so sucks for Formiga. Again, you know, we might do next week or in the next couple of weeks, we might add a, a flyweight ranking uh, to to the North Star system. I, I didn't initially do flyweight just because it's such a boring division. They don't have a champion. And they were killing it for the longest of times. And, you know, you'd have newcomers win a fight and they'd be number 10 in the UFC rankings. But, you know. I don't know. Now that the UFC is investing in the division, and you know, it looks like they're going to keep it around. We, but we might, we might add that to the rankings, uh, a flyweight, and you know, maybe a little teaser. Maybe, maybe we'll do this uh, in in July or something. Maybe we'll add a pound for pound, um, because that's always interesting. That's always fun, and most pound for pounds are just utterly stupid. And again, I think I could do the pound for pound uh, a little bit better. Uh, we also had a, a, a win by Devin Clark over Alonzo Menafield. Now, I was a big fan of Menafield because I saw him at the UFC, the infamous UFC Minneapolis card, just knock out Paul Craig. And, I mean, I guess we found the weakness for, for Menafield. You just get out of the first round with him. Uh, so, a solid win for Devin Clark. Uh, he's still a little bit away from being ranked at light heavyweight, but uh, he, he strung together, uh, he's stringing together a win streak. So, so props to him. And then the first fight on the card, the first fight on the prelims, a submission via rear naked choke by Herbert Burns over Evan Dunham. Uh, props to Burns. What a big week for the Burns family. Uh, took place at a, at a 150 catch weight, so doesn't impact anything rankings-wise. Not that he would be anywhere near the uh, the top 15 for lightweights. Uh, but sucks for Evan Dunham. But a, bi- a relatively big big name all things considered like a guy who's been ranked pretty highly throughout the course of of the UFC and you know I mean he's had two really really quick wins in the UFC over uh Nate the train Landwehr which we saw how good that win was once we saw Nate fight uh Darren Elkins and uh went over Evan Dunham so 
it, it wouldn't shock me if Herbert Burns and Gilbert Burns both fought in July after just fighting in, in June. Uh, and I guess technically May for, uh, for, for, um, Gilbert. God, such, such weird names. I always forget their names. Like those are such 1910 names. Uh, we, we need to go with nicknames here, but, uh, props to those guys. Uh, so that's pretty much going to do it here for our show. Uh, so like I said, the complete rankings will drop at 7.30 in the morning on Monday. So probably by the time you're listening to this, they will have dropped. Um, we'll, we'll try to have, uh, Reagan Hooverman on the show later this week or maybe next week. Uh, hopefully this week, uh, Drew Peterson will likely be on the show Friday or Saturday. Uh, we'll have a preview for, uh, UFC fight night, uh, I versus Calvillo, which I got to tell you guys is going to be a real short one because that is going to be the worst card in UFC history. I have never, I have never seen a card that is, that is worse than that. That might on like, good God, that might take the, 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 the cake for the worst card in UFC history. Uh, I don't even know if I'll watch, I guess I have, I guess I have to watch it cause it's my job. Um, but I'm not going to enjoy it. But, um, yeah, well, I'll save my hatred for that card for, uh, for probably tomorrow. We'll probably do the, 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 uh, the preview show tomorrow or, or maybe Tuesday. Maybe we'll push it back a little bit. Um, but we'll have a show tomorrow no matter what. Uh, we still have the ongoing series. I have not forgot about it. The, the ongoing, uh, greatest of all time, Mount Rushmore for each division. I have not forgot about it. Uh, but we're gonna, we're gonna extend that evergreen content out just a little bit. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. You also can follow me on Twitter at OwenEleyMN. And don't forget to follow our website at NorthStarSports.media. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.